the alley-oops at Kizar to the glory days at the stick. From who's got it better than us to brick by brick. It's always the 49ers way from off-season to game day. Yeah, we talk back. It's the 49ers cutback. It's 49ers Cutback Podcast time. Welcome to the show, everyone. Excited to talk about this episode upon further review. Uh, What does that mean? That means that I got to watch the game again. I've watched the All-22 film, and I've gotten to see how the 49ers played, and there were takeaways that I had from this game. Of course, you always see... You know, things when you watch live, but then when you go through and you watch it from the different angles, you get even more perspective. So maybe beliefs that you had, uh, convictions that you had leaving that game can somewhat change, or in some cases, they can be affirmed even more. And I thought that there were some that went both ways. And uh, this this game was spectacular. Of course, the 49ers winning 30-7. to I felt like they executed at a high level for week one, and that is something that the 49ers can build upon. But there's also areas at which they need to work and they need to get better at and they need more technique and they need better execution. And I thought that some of those were on display in this game. And how much is that is Pittsburgh great players making great plays? That was some of it. There was some really good plays by some of the Pittsburgh players. There was some very unique uh, defensive adjustments by the Pittsburgh Steelers that I thought caught the 49ers off guard. Brandon, you kind of alluded to that in his post-game press conference. But overall, the 49ers look pretty good. So I want to go step-by-step. I want to talk about some of the things that I saw when I went through my All-22 film. And if you're watching this, just know the first half breakdown of the offense is available over on Patreon. If you don't have Patreon, uh, you can go to our link tree. If you're listening on audio platform, go to the description section, go to the link tree, and there's a link directly to Patreon. And of course, on YouTube as well. Go to the description section. You'll find the link to Patreon. Go there, sign up, and you can check out the All-22 uh, breakdown. I did the first half offense so far. There'll be you know the first half defense coming, and then the second half offense and defense as well. So all that available over on Patreon as well as a brand new episode of the Ant Hill Show, and we get all into uh, the game as well. But let's talk about this game because my first takeaway was Brock Purdy is as advertised and why do i say that because when i went back and watched the film i felt that he was just as impressive uh were there a miss here or there where maybe you're like hey if he would have got rid of the football sooner or he would have went you know made the right read uh, he would have made a play yes but i thought those were few and far between it was rhythm him recognizing reading coverage and getting the ball out on time and in the right location he did that more uh, than i even expected him to do and so We've been wondering what Brock Purdy was going to look like when the bullets started flying uh, since he was injured last year. And he looked great. He handled every situation, cool, calm, collected. He was able to create on his own. He was able to operate within the offense. All the things that Kyle Shanahan allows you to do and wants you to do. Uh, The other thing I thought was really nice that we saw from Brock Purdy in this game was he took time to climb the pocket. There's one play where he climbs the pocket. He goes a little bit out, comes up, climbs the pocket, and then delivers the football out for a first down. I thought it was a tremendous play. We've seen him avoid Minka Fitzpatrick, uh, loop around, and then you know look down the field and get the ball out to Debo Samuel. 
There were definitely opportunities for Brock Purdy to create and use his improvisation skills, but then there were also times where he just stayed in the pocket. As soon as the play was there, I made a throw, and there's one that I break down over on Patreon of Brock Purdy throwing before Brandon Ayuk is even close to being open. This is called throwing with anticipation. It's knowing and trusting your receiver and get rid of the football the way that the offense is designed, and it ends up being a very good play for the 49ers. So I'm a huge fan of what Brock Purdy did in this football game, and I think that you know he's taking the steps that we all want him to take. And, of course, uh, you know, scrambling, getting down, having a little fun, those are all things you want to see from Brock uh, because it's necessary for Brock Purdy to continue to develop. And the 49ers need Brock Purdy to be a big-time quarterback for them if they want to go where they want to go is the promised land. Uh, and he can definitely get them there. So it's not just Brock Purdy, though. Even though Brock Purdy looked really good in this football game, it's not all about just Brock. Uh, there are also some... Things that I took away, including Brandon Ayuk is really good. I mean, Brandon Ayuk was able to create a lot of the separation on his own. He made that great catch from Brock Purdy over Patrick Peterson in the end zone and got both feet down. Number one, that was a great pass by Brock Purdy. You literally can't put it anywhere else. It was almost like you ran up and placed it right where it was supposed to go. That was spectacular. But Ayuk doing that. Ayuk turning Brian, uh, Patrick Peterson inside out in the end zone, getting open for the first score. Ayuk looked at another level. But what I noticed as well was the 49ers' weapons were presenting so much problems. So you could see during the game that there was a focus on certain guys. Uh, you would see Christian McCaffrey early on in the game go in motion and all the attention he got. Debo Samuel still garnered a ton of attention in this game. I mean, a ton. There were times when Debo would go in motion, you'd see three and four guys move. You would see on Brandon Ayuk's touchdown, three guys went with Debo Samuel. He's still garnering that kind of attention. And I think right now, that's how a lot of teams are kind of looking at the 49ers. McCaffrey, Debo, then maybe George Kittle, and then uh, Brandon Ayuk. When will that change? At some point, it will. Right now, George Kittle's not healthy, but George Kittle had a couple opportunities where he could have won for big touchdowns. There's one where Mika Fitzpatrick hooks him. And I thought George Kittle, a healthy George Kittle, could have created more separation. So we know Kittle's nursing that, but it was just a another look at, man, if you take away this guy or you take away that guy, this guy or that guy could beat you. Uh, just so many weapons, you know, and we heard Brandon Ayuk talk about this last year, that they just got so many dudes and they're going to be a problem to stop. And he's not wrong because they were literally staying in two running back sets with one tight end for most of the game. Jawan Jennings didn't play a whole lot. They never really went to a three wide receiver set and they were taking advantage of matchups that Kyle Juszczyk was presenting in the run game, but they never really went to him in the pass game, but that's an option as well. So there's just so many weapons. And that was a big takeaway for me in this game was the 49ers weapons is just a lot to handle and knowing which ones to take away at certain times, it's it's just not that easy, right? You can come in the game and take probably take away McCaffrey in the past game if you want to have that kind of focus. You may even be able to take away Debo as well. But if you're doing that, you're singling up Ayuk, and Ayuk can now win a one-on-one -on -one coverage no matter what. No matter who the, co the cover corner is, he can win. And then you've got George Kittle, who's a matchup issue. You, he just went against Mika Fitzpatrick, who's one of the best safeties in the league. 
and he was still garnering uh you know a lot of attention and getting separation when he's one on one on Minka. So when Kittle is healthy and he's he's not being, you know, that not being able to be slowed up by his injury, he's going to create separation whether that's a nickel corner like they did with Patrick Peterson covering him or a safety in Minka Fitzpatrick. It's going to be interesting, and the 49ers are going to be playing a, a way less talented uh, Rams team coming up as far as the defensive side of the ball. They still have talent uh, across the board, but a less talented team than having like a Minka Fitzpatrick. So I'm curious about what George Kittle looks like playing against the Rams in Week 2, but how the 49ers go about uh, recognizing first what the defense is trying to take away and then expanding on what these offensive players can do. So if you come in the game, because Ayuk had a big-time game, almost 130 yards receiving, and you plan on taking away Ayuk, well, then you free up a guy like Debo Samuel, who's the Rams' killer. Uh, so it, this is going to be interesting as we progress you know, through the weekend of the Rams, but uh, these weapons are going to present problems all year long. That was a big takeaway for me. The way that Kyle Shanahan was able to use them was great. Uh, when it came to Christian McCaffrey, just breaking down the film and watching him run, I felt like he was a better runner in this system than I've ever seen him uh, from last year. So last year, I felt like he was really good. Like he came into his own as the season progressed and he got more comfortable within Kyle Shanahan's system. And I thought, wow, this is spectacular. But I thought Christian McCaffrey was even better than that. Uh, the patience, but yet exploding when he saw the open hole, uh, being able to understand when was the proper time to stick his head in there and just get extra yards. And when was the time to go ahead and put his foot in the ground and cut up field it was nice. I mean, I just thought he was really good at the way he had the feel, uh, pressing to the line of scrimmage, the acceleration through the hole. He he looked really, really good. I was, I was a big fan of Christian McCaffrey coming out of this game. And this is in the run game. You know, 151 yards on the ground for McCaffrey is a great day. 65-yard explosive touchdown. You're going to have explosives in the run game. You're going to be a really good football team. And that's what the 49ers have been able to do since they, the addition of Christian McCaffrey last season. But then you also got the blocking downfield. It, number one, it was really good blocking up front. McCaffrey makes a great spin move to make a defensive back miss. And then you get a great pancake block from, uh, from uh, Brandon Ayuk. He knocks a, a safety down. And then you get Ray McLeod battling with Patrick Peterson down the field. And once again, patience by Christian McCaffrey, letting the block happen and then being able to get there for the touchdown. Those were absolutely huge uh, for a couple of reasons. Number one, you want the explosive play to go for a touchdown. That's a huge momentum. But also when you get players like Ayuk, who's a thousand yard receiver and Ray McLeod going down the field and doing everything they can to block, it's going to resonate with the rest of the team. McCaffrey then wants to do more for them in the future when it's their opportunity to catch the ball and he's blocking. Uh, every, everyone just wants to work harder. And now other wide receivers are going to want to do the same thing because of the way that leaders like Ayuk are showing people how to be. It is a, it's a monumental type play that can help catapult you as the season progresses. So it was a takeaway that I saw the hustle, the aggressiveness and the way that the team responded to it, I think was really, really big on the negative note, Colton McKivitz. I, I, I know that, you know, he was getting a lot of heat already, or how he gave up the three sacks at TJ Watt. But I will have to say, going back and watching the film, it was even uh, worse than that. Uh, Colt McKivitt struggled again in the run game as well. He let people get across his face. He did not maintain blocks. Plays that could have went for big gains were somewhat limited by 
Colton McKivitt's lack of execution in the run game blocking. Uh, angles were a little off. Uh, hand placement definitely off. And just maintaining those blocks. So Colton McKivitz has got to get better. I know he's going against really good edge players, but he was even losing against linebackers, and he was losing against defensive tackles like Larry o Larry Ogunjobi. Uh, so there needs to be some work there for Colton McKivitz. So I would say right now I'm going to give him a pass because it was the first week of the season, and he was going to against a really good defense. But he's got to play better against the Rams. He's got to play better against the Giants, or the 49ers are going to have to figure something out at right tackle. Of course, you always want to give guys the benefit of the doubt and give them time to get better. And this is a type of game that you you reflect on. Uh, he's going to look at the film. He's going to understand the mistakes that he made. Coach Chris Furster is going to give him some coaching points, and they're going to work on his technique, and they're going to work on him finishing these plays. But that's been the big drawback when you're talking about losing Mike McGlinchey is going to be run game. So, yes, you're going to get beat in the passing game because it's TJ freaking Watt. But in the run game, you better be better than that. And I thought that it was not a great performance by Colt McKivitz. He's got room to improve. Do I think he can do it? I do. I think he can get better. But he's got to prove in the next few weeks what kind of offensive tackle he is. Because week five, uh, the Dallas Cowboys are coming to town. And me and that means you're going to be going against Micah Parsons. And that's the speed element in the pass, in the pass rush game. But also the quickness to get across your face in run game. The 49ers have to figure out the right tackle position. They did give help, maybe even more than I think most people thought watching it live. Uh, but TJ Watt beat him with great technique. TJ Watt was a problem. He was a menace in the run game. He was a menace for Kyle Juszczyk as well. That's a tough assignment for anyone. And I thought that, you know, Watt proved why he's one of the best in the league. But it gave me a, a, a sense of, come on, Colt McKivitz, get better. Uh, because I came out of that thinking, well, at least Colt McKivitz did pretty good in the run game. But then when I watched it back, uh, there was definitely some plays that he left on the field that he's going to want back. So there needs to be an improvement from McKivitz. Uh, but I think I've seen better than this in the time that he played, whether it was in 2021 or during training camp. So optimistic about Colt McKivitz, but it wasn't a great performance at all. Uh, and also Spencer Burford. And I love Spencer Burford. I think he... It can be a big-time player. I think Spencer Burford could end up being you know, a Pro Bowl-type player. He has that potential. Uh, but I did see him struggling a little bit to handle Larry Ogunjobi. And Ogunjobi's no joke. Uh, when he got put in one-on-one -on -one situations, Ogunjobi would get him unbalanced sometimes with a, a nice big hand uh, to the chest plate. And that means Spencer Burford's opening himself up. He's got to make sure he protects his chest plate. Uh, but I seen there was some early wins for Ogunjobi, and those are things that Burford can't allow. Burford was better in the run game than in the pass game. Uh, he did. It's not like he got outright beat, but he was allowing some push in the middle of the field. And when that pocket starts to collapse, that's more difficult for Brock Purdy to be able to throw. Brock Purdy and any NFL quarterback, but especially a shorter quarterback like Purdy, you cannot have that interior offensive line give up push where then they could tip the ball. There's a play that Aaron Banks ends up uh, getting pushed back a little bit. And because of it, the 49ers missed out on an explosive touchdown throw to Debo Samuel. Brock Purdy was dialing one up. Debo Samuel is one-on-one -on -one with Fitzpatrick, and, uh, and he had space. And if, if Brock could have ripped it and got it over the top, it would have been a touchdown. But he got too much push, hand up, tips the ball. Luckily, the ball fell down without being intercepted. But uh, those are the type plays you can't have happen. And Spencer Burford was giving up a little bit too much of those. 
Definitely less critical of Spencer Burford than Colton McKivitz, but the right side of the 49ers offensive line, they need to pick it up. When they had to go through uh, adjusting and switching because of the scheme, they did a lot better. I felt like line stunts did give the 49ers offensive line in totality some problems uh, from Brendel to Banks uh, to Burford, you know, Burf, uh, to Brendel and Banks, especially with a little bit of Trent Williams, some of the way they went off each other. I thought Burford and McKivitz played better in that aspect, uh, but one-on-one situations is where they struggled. But overall, 49ers offensive line did produce some open holes. I thought that was good. We can be happy about that. And it's just week one. They can improve. Cole McKivitz' first game as the official starter, and now we'll see how he goes about handling recovering from the mistakes that he made and getting better. And I'm looking to see an improvement from the right side of the line against the Los Angeles Rams on Sunday. But let's talk a little bit about the defense and some of the things I saw from them. First off, this 49ers defense, they played absolutely elite. I mean, it was a full performance, all the, you know, from the defensive line to the linebackers, you know, to the cornerbacks, to the safeties. These guys were flying around and making plays and getting off the field so consistently with the first five Pittsburgh drives being three and outs, that you never had to worry if these guys were going to get tired. It felt like all their reps were managed because you just never saw the second team defensive line until you got to the last two minutes of the game, or last two minutes of the first half. That's how long it took to get most of those guys in. Now, Kinlaw had played a play earlier or on the second drive, but for the most part, they just weren't coming in. It was a steady rotation on the front line of Bosa, Armstead, Hargrave, Farrell on early downs, and then Drake Jackson. And then with the linebackers, if Oren Burks, uh, if they were in a base 4-3, Oren Burks came in. And if they were in nickel, Lenore was playing the nickel role with Ambry Thomas playing on the outside. And that was where some of the question marks were going to be. How was Ambry Thomas going to play? How was Diometer Lenore going to handle being in the nickel? You know, it, it was it was just some questions, and the 49ers answered all of them. It was great. You saw the big-time players for the 49ers execute the way they're supposed to. You saw guys be game wreckers. You saw guys hit hard. Fred Warner and Dre Greenlaw were flying around, making plays. Absolutely fantastic. It was one of the, you know, one of the funnest games to watch uh, as far as the first games under the Kyle Shanahan era. I think Detroit offensively in 2021 where Jimmy and Debo went off. That one was fun. Of course, defensively, it wasn't great. They ended up giving up a lot of points uh, when they were in prevent and ultimately, you know, giving up uh, Jason Vreck getting hurt. So that wasn't good. But I thought this one was the best performance we've seen from top to bottom from a Kyle Shanahan team in week one. And uh, that's promising news because they got a lot of talent. Uh, Steve Wilkes, he was fantastic. I thought Wilkes, and this was one of the conversations that I had had during the week, was Will Wilkes blitz up to the 33% that he did last year, the 38% he had done the year you know year prior, or was he going to kind of hold off and allow his front four to get after it? I thought he did a really good job of going with that front four, allowing them to create penetration uh, and get after the quarterback, and he didn't blitz very much, and that was it. Pickett was very good against the blitz uh, last year. Well, this time he didn't have very many opportunities, and what he did, it felt like the 49ers got to him. Uh, so they did a really good job of mixing it up, but Wilkes did a really good job of understanding his team's strengths and then taking advantage of them. And some of the personnel choices that they made, Ambry Thomas on the outside, Diomar Lenore on the inside, seemed to be working out. The two defensive end system of Cleveland Farrell playing on early downs, Drake Jackson 
playing on you know third down as a specialist, a pass rush specialist. I thought that's worked out so well. So the 49ers so far looking pretty good. Steve Wilkes calling a very good defensive game plan. He kept Pickett off balance. Uh, he did a very good job of just showing a five-man defensive front. I don't know how many people saw this, but it was on the second drive of the game. The Pittsburgh Steelers came out to run the football and establish Najee Harris. And the 49ers came out with Kinlaw, Hargrave, and Armstead on the inside with Cleveland Farrell and Nick Bosa on the outside. Five defensive linemen. And then they had the two linebackers, uh, Fred Warner, Dre Greenlaw, and they ran towards Kinlaw. Kinlaw and Hargrave and Armstead all stymied their guys. It freed up Fred Warner, and Warner came through like a missile and lit up Najee Harris. And it felt like at that point, that was a huge part of the game. As I said, uh-uh, not today. You guys are not running the football. And the 49ers did a great job. Uh, you know, they gave up 77 yards per game on the ground in 2022. And now, right now, they're doing even better than that. So uh, it, they look good. Hargrave and, and Armstead held up against the run. But I like Wilkes, the moxie, to call that defensive alignment and just being like, yeah, I know you're going to run the football, and you're not running on us. And as long as those defensive linemen can occupy offensive linemen, that means those linebackers run free, and then you get Greenlaw and, and Fred Warner lighting people up. So the 49ers secondary to me was impressive. You did get the two turnovers. The 49ers, of course, 20 interceptions in 2022. They already have two. Charvarius Ward makes the interception. Uh, good coverage on Deontay Johnson. Bad throw by Kenny Pickett. And it's picked off. And then uh, then you have the one that Fred Warner tips up in the air and Hufanga comes out of nowhere, intercepts it, and you get another big play. They almost had the 49 defense almost had their hands on another interception in a drop interception by Fred Warner. So it was a very good effort by the secondary. I thought they tackled really well. There was a missed uh, tackle by Charverius Ward where he took a wrong angle, and that allowed Deontay Johnson to get some yards at the beginning of the second half. I thought that was bad. Uh, of course, you've got when you have prevent style defense, you're allowing them to or catch the ball underneath and then make tackles. But I thought that the defense of secondary played really good. They were locating the players they were supposed to be on. They had very good eyes. They were playing good in run fits. And when they had the opportunity, not only were they bringing people to the ground, but they were hitting them extremely hard. Talano Ufonga made a huge hit on Pro uh, Pat Fryermuth. First off, Ambry Thomas had great coverage. He got to the football and knocked it away. But then Talanua Ufonga was there to separate man from ball. And he made sure. And Fryermuth didn't get up right away. But Ufonga established that if you're coming over the middle, be prepared. I'm there to hit you. And I thought that you have levels of that with the 49ers defense. Straight Greenlaw, linebacker, can absolutely take your head off. And then also now Talanua Ufonga in the secondary. And I think that's what... The 49ers need. They need enforcers on defense, guys that can go out there and impose will. And that's what they got. But I've seen an uptick in the way that this secondary has played. Ambry Thomas and Diameter Lenore look more comfortable. Uh, Charverius Ward, it feels like he's you know really nestling and fitting into this 49ers defense. And it just feels like Steve Wilkes has helped elevate the secondary to another level. I know it's just week one. And of course, there's going to be a lot of challenges next week against Sean McVay and that Rams offense even though they'll be missing cup they still have a lot of talent but it just feels like this team is a lot better off with wilkes you know at the helm running the secondary because D'Amico ryan's definitely elevated the linebacker room uh chris kasarek definitely elevates the defensive line 
but it felt like the secondary was always the defensive line will uh, will put a Band-Aid on the secondary, right? They'll play so well, it'll help the secondary. That's not the case anymore. It feels like all three levels are really good. They all have really good coaches. Uh, so I'm excited about it. I'm excited what Wilkes brings, and I'm excited about the secondary, which includes Hufanga and Gibson getting back at it, creating interceptions. Uh, Hufanga had four last year, Gibson five, and Hufanga's got one. So this is what you want from the back end, and a back end that used to be a problem for the 49ers creating turnovers. Jimmy Ward and uh, and Jaquiski Tart, they didn't create turnovers. And now you've got defensive secondary players and safeties that make these big-time game-changing plays. And I think it's huge. And Gibson with 32 interceptions in his career, there's going to be some more coming his way. But to me, it was it was a, a great effort. Hufonga and Gibson, captains of that secondary, did such a good job. And watching the film, it just felt like everyone was in the right places where they're supposed to be. There were no real blunders and mishaps in the secondary. There's the occasional one, but for the most part, it was a great execution uh, from everyone on the back end. Oren Burks. Uh, there wasn't a lot of Oren Burks in this game, but Oren Burks is the starting Sam linebacker coming back from the knee sprain that he had suffered early in training camp and then re-aggravated against the Raiders during joint practices. Uh, but there's there's one play in particular. They try to run the ball to the left side with Najee Harris. They put the 49ers in a base 4-3 set. And so Oren Burks kind of goes out with Calvin Austin, who went in motion. But then when Austin leaves, he comes right back. He reads the tight end coming back across. So a lot of times if you get a blocker coming back across the formation, you want to recognize that you read across and those guards tackles and tight ends are going to give you an idea if they're coming back across a lot of times that's where the run play is going so you have to have that cross vision and he saw him coming back he saw Fryermuth coming back and of course the defensive end on that side Cleveland Farrell completely studded it up it was a great uh, play being able to squeeze it down but then Oren Burke stepped right in there and hit Najee Harris in the right in the hole got downhill hit him in the hole and then Cle um Hargrave came through and helped clean it up, and then everyone gang-tackled. But that was a type of play that you had to have happen for Warren Burks. You have to have those plays and make those tackles because that's what Aziz Alshire gave you last year. You had to prove that you had a guy that can do it. It's not exactly a strength of Demetrius Flanagan Fowles. Uh, Flanagan Fowles is better in space, better in coverage, and I thought that this was great for Warren Burks. Uh, getting in there and playing. He looked comfortable, and there's going to be times. Other teams are going to put 49ers in situations where they have to play their base 4-3, and he's going to be tasked with playing you know, more snaps. But it gave me a lot of optimism for him being able to play next to Fred and Dre, and it looked really good. So flashing uh, for Oren Burks on film, I loved it, and I'm looking forward to seeing him continue uh, to grow and develop. And then Cleveland Farrell and Drake Jackson. Drake Jackson with two sacks. And close to a third sack. I mean, if, if Pickett doesn't get back to the line of scrimmage, a third sack. But Drake Jackson was playing that specialized pass rush role, and he was running and chasing quarterbacks. So he didn't bend the corner and get those big wins around the outside, but he didn't have to. Let the other three who were spectacular flush the quarterback your way. And that's exactly what happened. When you have Bosa, Armstead, and Hargrave, somebody's going to get there. You can't double-team all three of them. And what happened is when they singled up Armstead early in the game, Armstead was creating havoc, and Drake Jackson was reaping all the benefits. Later on, they were double-teaming Armstead, 
Hargrave was putting on pressure and Drake Jackson was reaping all the benefits. So bravo to Drake Jackson for everything that he's done. And this role within the 49ers defense, he should be able to stay fresh. He's going to be a specialized pass rusher on third down, which means he's still going to be ready to go late in the game. And I think we saw that against Pittsburgh where in the fourth quarter, he won one around the corner and beat the right tackle. Uh, it was very spectacular. And he got home just as Pickett released the football. So it was a bang, bang hit. And that's what I want to see from Drake. The, the continued growth, bending the corner and getting to the quarterback. But I love having the chase and run type defensive end with everyone else, you know, getting the pressure, making them go out and then having a guy that can go get them to the ground. So Drake did a great job. And then Cleveland Farrell was absolutely spectacular in early downs. Not only did he set the edge so well against the run, uh, stopped a jet sweep from Calvin Austin, who's a 4-3 guy, made, got a great angle and almost got him to the ground to the outside, but slowed him up enough for a loss on the play. But also, he got after the quarterback on early downs. He was putting pressure. He was collapsing tackles. Cleveland Farrell was doing everything the 49ers brought him here to do. He looked explosive. The 49ers have a real good combination opposite of Bosa. It's not one guy, it's two. It's Drake and Cleveland Farrell. And I thought the way that they've used them in this football game was really good. I thought the 49ers handled themselves very good. So overall, it was good. And going back and watching the film, normally you find a defensive tackle or a defensive end. You're like, man, I didn't like their reps. For the most part, I was very happy with their reps. Uh, I thought all the way down to Austin Bryant, there were good reps, there were bad reps. Uh, but, you know, that's what you're expecting from a, a fifth defensive end. And I thought that Kerry Hyder played well again. I thought on the interior, the backup Givens and Kinlaw played really well, especially in limited snaps. Uh, so not a lot to, not a lot of, not a lot of negative coming out of the defensive side of the ball. They played really good. They executed, they created turnovers. Uh, Wilkes with the masterclass and then, on offense, like we talked about, Brock did his thing. Weapons are just so much. And Kyle Shanahan just continues uh, to take advantage of what defenses give him and the matchups that his uh, players and unique players present. It's a great a great method to be able to go about it. And I think the 49ers uh, are on to something here. Rams are coming up. But yeah, first view, all 22 film. It was a lot to take away from it and a lot in a positive way. Burford, McKivitt's got to get better. Uh, but I think there's always areas that you can improve on in every single position. Even if you're Fred Warner or Nick Bosa, uh, Taunu Ufonga, there's things you need to get better on. And I think that there, I saw that in this film, uh, but most of the things that stood out were good plays. I think that's always optimal. So uh, thank you guys so much for watching this episode. Like and subscribe to the channel. I really appreciate it. If you're listening on an audio platform, 49ers Cutback on Believe, which is available on all audio platforms, please give it a five-star rating. Uh, that would mean a lot, of course. If you want to check out the film breakdown, head over to Patreon. You can also check out the Ant Hill Show, available on Patreon, and there's new episodes every single week. You can go back and listen to those. Uh, they're really a, a lot of fun. Jay Hill has a unique perspective that's definitely most of the time different than mine, and we have a fun conversation, so you guys can do that. Uh, film breakdowns available. Hopefully, new episode of uh, Big Yikes this week as well. So thanks, everyone, for coming through. I'll catch you guys on the next one. Until then, stay safe. And remember the right way is always the 49ers way.